What is going on Solo fam? My name is John Solo and this is Nursery Rhymes Explained, the show where we dive deep into both literature and literal history to uncover the messed up origins of the songs and stories we teach our children. Today we're dissecting a tragic story where a poor little boy and girl who are simply trying to collect water for their families end up with a skull fracture and minor concussions, Jack and Jill. It's a story that we're all familiar with, or at the very least, we're familiar with the first verse. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after. But what if I told you there is even more to Jack and Jill's story? Another 14 verses that involve dog attacks, goat attacks, and even more concussions. And what's even more bizarre than that, there's folklorists and historians out there who believe the inspiration for the rhyme may have come from controversial taxation policies in England, Viking mythology, and the executions of famous kings and queens. Yeah man, nursery rhymes are like real profound. We're going to be breaking down all of those theories today as well as the evolution of the Jack and Jill rhyme since its very first publication back in the 1700s. Chapter 1 before we get into all of those insane theories, let's talk a little more about the rhyme itself and where it came from. Like most of the stories we discuss on this channel, Jack and Jill was originally shared through word of mouth. One person sang it to another person, who found it catchy and sang it to another person, and so on. Sadly, we don't have a record of the first time someone sang it, but the first written record of it was found in a 1765 reprint of John Newberry's Mother Goose's Melody, only that version is a little bit different than the one that we know now. It's nothing drastic, Jill doesn't go on to carry Jack back up the hill to get the water like Sam carrying Frodo up the side of Mount Doom, but there is an interesting twist. Instead of the rhyme being about Jack and Jill, it's about two boys, Jack and Gil. No, I did not make that up. Now, there are some who believe that was the result of the author misunderstanding the original rhyme and that he simply spelled Jill with a G, but the fact that there was an accompanying illustration of two boys fetching water makes me doubt that. Unless, of course, there was a separate illustrator, but even then, I feel like the author could have corrected him. As for why it was eventually changed to Jill, probably for alliteration. Jack and Jill sounds a lot better than Jack and Gil. Also, there's the added benefit of including a girl character for any little girlies listening, but that's just conjecture. Anyway, the only version that was included in Newberry's rendition was the first one that everyone knows, as well as the supposed moral of the story, the more you think of dying, the better you will live. I have roughly 87 questions about how they decided that was the moral. I feel like a much better one would have just been watch your step. But like I said in the intro, there are several more verses, with the exact number changing depending on the author. Chances are though, if you've come across an extended version, it had no more than three total verses, and it probably went something like this. Then up Jack got and home did trot as fast as he could caper. Dame Gill did the job to plaster his knob with vinegar and brown paper. No, that's not a euphemism. People really did that to treat bruises at one point. Then Jill came in and she did grin to see Jack's paper plaster. Her mother whipped her across her knee for laughing at Jack's disaster. You may have also noticed the introduction of Jack and Jill's mother, Old Dame Gill. She has other names in different versions like Old Dame Dob, but I like Gill as an homage to the original character. But what you just heard, ladies and gents, is still not the full version, because in 1806, roughly 41 years after Newberry's publication, an English fella named Jay Aldies released his own version that had a total of 15 verses. I won't torture you by singing every single one, but some of the highlights include Jill falling off a dog, Jack being trampled by a goat, both kids falling off a seesaw, 
Jack being trampled by a dog and cow, Jack being whipped by his grandmother, his grandmother being run over by a cow, and then for the finale, a nice family dinner. Gotta love happy endings. In all seriousness though, what kind of a grandma not only whips their grandkid, but whips him only a few hours after he cracked his skull? I mean, at least we see some form of justice with her being trampled by the cow, but if I were Jack, I would not be eating my dinner next to that old wench. Chapter 2 so like I said, there are some pretty insane theories about where the inspiration for Jack and Jill came from. It's worth mentioning that this one was especially hard for experts to trace because before Jack and Jill was a rhyme, it was a common term that meant boy and girl. As a result, you have writings like Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream where Puck says, Jack shall have Jill, not shall go ill. It's totally unrelated. That's also why Jack is the name of the hero in multiple fables like Jack and the Beanstalk and Jack the Giant Killer. It's because of this that theorists have been forced to get pretty abstract with their theories. For example, Reverend Baring Gould wrote in his 1866 work, Curious Myths of the Middle Ages, that it may have roots in Norse mythology. So there's this book called The Prose Edda, written by the same historian I mentioned in our London Bridge episode, Snorri Sturluson. It's the world's fullest and most detailed source of info about Norse mythology. Well, in The Prose Edda, there's a section that I'm totally going to mispronounce the name of, called The Gilfaginning, that deals with the creation and destruction of the world of the Norse gods. And in that section is a myth that bears some resemblance to Jack and Jill. In it, two kids named Juki and Bill are abducted by the moon while they're collecting water from a well, and the Reverend thinks that Juki and Bill evolved to become Jack and Gil, which eventually turned to Jack and Jill. It's not a bad theory, but if he were right, I wonder where Jack falling down, breaking his crown, and Jill tumbling after would have come from. There's also a chance the rhyme has some royal connections, though some are more likely than others. In her 1930 book, The Real Personages of Mother Goose, Catherine L. West Thomas claims that most nursery rhymes were used as secret insults to the royal family and other notable figures. In the spirit of that, she says that Jack and Gil were meant to represent Cardinal Wasley and Bishop Tarbes, respectively, in their attempt to arrange the marriage of King Henry VIII's sister, Mary Tudor, to King Louis XII. Sidebar, hey monarchs, it wouldn't kill you to get a little more creative with your names, and it would be way less confusing for the rest of us. Anyway, their plan was supposedly hatched by Cardinal Wasley, who wanted to secure peace with France and appease Henry VIII, who saw his sister as a useful tool for making alliances. Sadly for them, King Louis died before he could get Mary pregnant because he was about 30 years older than her, and she married the Duke of Suffolk, Charles Brandon, in secret. This infuriated Henry VIII, who tried having the Duke executed, but the Cardinal intervened and secured a pardon for him at the expense of falling out of favor with the King when he was once his right-hand man. Hence Jack falling down and breaking his crown, and if Bishop Tarbes shared the same fate, that would add some context to Gil tumbling after. Another theory I found posted all over the web said the story represents the execution of King Louis XVI not to be confused with the other King Louis and his wife Marie Antoinette during the French Revolution in 1793. However, Newberry's book was released almost 30 years before that, not to mention the rhyme is almost definitely even older than that. So unless my man can predict the future, I'd say we can write that one off. But this last theory might just be my favorite, and that's because it involves one of man's most exciting, adrenaline-inducing inventions, taxes. You see, back during the reign of King Charles I, which lasted from 1625 to 1649, he tried raising taxes on both half and quarter pints of liquid, which at that time were called jacks and gills, respectively. To Charles's frustration, Parliament shot down his proposal, but he found an easy workaround that didn't require any new legislation to be approved. He made an official announcement that from that point forward, half and quarter pints would be reduced in size. That way, less liquid would be given out, but the same amount of taxes would be coming in. 
it's kind of like when Buffalo Wild Wings decided to replace their specific wing counts with the much more vague small, medium, and large sizes. A decision that was pure evil if you ask me. And another detail that adds some validity, as you can see on this brass cup from the 1800s, the crown has been the imperial symbol for the half pint for quite some time. So to put this all another way, Jack, the half pint, fell down and broke his crown, meaning it was fractured in size, and Gil came tumbling after because if the half pint was going to be smaller, the quarter pint would have to be too. Now for those wondering how this all relates to going up a hill and fetching a pail of water, I'll give you my own perspective on this. One thing that a lot of folks say is odd about this rhyme is that wells are never placed at the tops of hills. They're placed at low points so you don't have to dig as far to reach water. And as folklorists Iona and Peter Opie have pointed out, when water is placed at the top of a hill in a story, it usually has some special significance. So maybe I'm reaching here, but the way I interpret it is that up the hill is a euphemism for going to the bar and water isn't water at all, but rather something alcoholic like beer or ale. Is ale the same thing as beer? I have no idea. Like I said, you may think I'm reaching with that one, but it's still my favorite. Partially because I find the image of a dozen drunken jagaloons in a crowded bar singing what eventually became a nursery rhyme as a form of mocking their king to be pretty hilarious. And that is the final theory about the origins of Jack and Jill. Though I do think the residents of Kilmersdon Village in Somerset, England would be pretty peeved at me if I didn't at least mention them. Because according to a local legend that goes as far back as 1697, the Jack and Jill rhyme is actually about a local Kilmersdon on woman who got pregnant and her lover who died from a rock fall when climbing a local hill. Supposedly, the woman died during childbirth not long after, hence Jack falling down and Jill tumbling after. Now, personally, I'm not really buying this one, partly because it doesn't take Jack and Gill into account and also because at this point, I've read about way too many towns claiming to be the site of some famous fable or myth despite being provably wrong. But if anyone watching thinks otherwise, feel free to visit the place. There's actually a hill there that's been labeled the Jack and Jill Hill, and it has signs that follow the nursery rhymes plot. You can bet that if I ever make my way to the UK, I'm definitely checking it out. And Ashdown Forest, the 100 acre wood from Winnie the Pooh. Thank you all for tuning in to the Messed Up Origins podcast. We're posting episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So don't forget to sacrifice the five-star and follow buttons to the algorithm gods to make sure they bless your feed with more mythological and folklore content. If you have any thoughts on this episode you'd like to share, like if you really enjoyed it or are dying to correct my pronunciation of something, hit me up under the Messed Up Origins handles on Twitter and Instagram. And to those who are craving more Messed Up Origins, feel free to check out other episodes episodes of the podcast or look up my YouTube channel called John Solo to experience the original episodes complete with visual aids and custom made artwork. Until next time, Solo fam, my name is John Solo and don't forget, John shot first. <laughs>